Hi, this is Amber Joy with Influential Agent. And if you want to create an impactful kingdom business, you should be listening to the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast with my good friends, Joe Newton and Pierce Brantley. The Eternal Entrepreneur gives you the stories and strategies to gain freedom as a Christian business leader. You'll hear from real entrepreneurs who have learned how to partner with God, from making millions to filing bankruptcy. These are honest stories to help you hear God's voice and build a lasting legacy through business. Well, hello and welcome back and thank you for joining us for episode 12 of the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I am Pierce Brantley and along with my co-host, Joe Newton, and we cannot be more excited to share with you our conversation today with Amber Joy. Amber is a national speaker, award-winning real estate coach, and the CEO of Influential Agent, where she helps real estate entrepreneurs maximize their potential. She also developed a coaching system, Sphere Influencers, which assist agents in building systems that generate continuous referrals by using the latest in digital marketing. Before we jump into the interview today, we wanted to ask if you'd help us out by leaving us a five-star review and sharing the podcast with a friend. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of my book, Calling, How to Partner with God in Any Business with Any Boss at Any Place in Life, then click on the link in the show notes to sign up for a weekly email or visit piercebrantley.co slash podcast. And now on to the interview. Ember, officially welcome to the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we want to jump in and give our audience a little bit of context. So they heard how amazing you are and all of the accolades of what you're doing today. But can you start us off and give us the story into entrepreneurship? Were you the kid in third grade selling candy bars or did you stumble (laughs) into this journey? I think I stumbled into it. I was always kind of a a driver for sure, get-go. My parents like to call it bossy. I like to call it a driver. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Always tattletailing on my little brothers. No, but I think that I didn't... Yeah, I don't don't even know if I knew what entrepreneur was. I was raised in a Christian home where my parents were missionaries. And so the entrepreneurial spirit... I saw them work hard for sure. But I'm not even sure I knew what entrepreneur meant. (laughs) (laughs) So it definitely was not something that that I was raised with. No. I actually love hearing that because I, I feel like so many of the, the entrepreneurs that we talk to are the ones that have the story about shoveling snow when they were 11 and mowing lawns. So it's actually really encouraging to hear someone else who didn't feel like that was just who they were from the beginning. So how did you end up starting your own business? Well, <laughs> this is when you start getting into the real Amber. Okay, we have got... Basically, we... Let's see. I, at a very young age, I feel like I'm about to go on Maury or Povich or something, but (laughs) at the age of 18, I became pregnant and I was unwed. And that's just not the, what my parents expected from a missionary kid. And it forced me into a world to figure out how am I going to support this child? How am I going to, I mean, I was scared to death, honestly. Just, I was very naive. I don't know if so. If I was completely naive, but I ended up marrying the guy, her dad, my daughter Savannah, 
And he was definitely not the guy that God had for me, for sure, back in hindsight. But I just, at that age, really felt like, well, I needed to make that work. I needed to have that. And I could write a whole book about that as my background, but he was not not a great guy. He He ended up becoming a drug addict. He was abusive and he couldn't keep a job to save his life. So I, at 19, I found myself having to figure out how am I going to support me and my child and what's that going to look like? I had no college degree. I went from having a scholarship to college theater to not being able to go to college because I was trying to support myself and I had to work a job. And at the time I was, I got a job at Blockbuster Video for $4.25 an hour. (laughs) And that was what people got paid back then. And all I knew to do was work. Nobody had taught me anything about it being an entrepreneur or sales or anything. And so I just knew, well, you got to work. You got to get a paycheck to support yourself. And my parents were very supportive emotionally, but they just didn't have the money to help out monetarily. And so that's kind of when the, I think the drive started. Now, I do believe God gave me some instincts from birth that were all that were predispositioned with a certain amount of drive or not. But that's when it really just kicked in. There really wasn't a choice. There wasn't time to think about it. There wasn't a time to overthink things. It was like, okay, you just better figure it out. And so I quickly became, uh, got offered a position to be assistant manager about four months down the line. I just kept working as hard as I could in the current position. I really didn't have any qualifications, so to speak. (laughs) And then later I became one of the youngest general managers and ran three locations that they ever had at Blockbuster back then. And so I just basically tried to work as hard as I could in each position that I got, which led to other opportunities. And it wasn't until I finally had got the courage to leave that guy after a day of such bad abuse that I thought I was going to die. He choked me and I just thought, okay, this is it. This is the end of my life for me. And luckily it wasn't. And he went into the bedroom because I went to call the police. He went into the bedroom and picked up my daughter out of the crib. (laughs) And I knew at that moment, I'm leaving. I wish I could say I would left for myself, but I didn't left for her. Yeah. And at that moment, I went, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so I... I worked at Blockbuster for quite a few years, but I decided, and I went into other management jobs, but you eventually realize the harder you work, no matter how hard you work, when you're working for someone else and you work your way up the ranks through management and you realize I've capped out on what I could make. I'm like at the top already at 24 years old, (laughs) how much I can make and in these positions. And yet I just keep working more and more hours and getting to spend less and less time with my daughter. What can I do (laughs) to get out of this? And I thought, well, I'm going to work, you know, and I just kept coming up with all these ideas, not my passion, just what is going to pay the bills. (laughs) And all of them required a degree. Like I couldn't even get an interview, it seemed like in any position outside of sales, because I didn't have a degree. And at the time I was like, oh, I'll go back to school. (sighs) Well, that was short lived because after I found out quickly, oh my gosh, to pay for school, I'm going to have to get a second job. So I had the first job to pay the bills and then I had to get a second job at nights waitressing to pay for school. And then the nights that I wasn't waitressing, I was in school (laughs) and it was so hard. It was so tough. And I was never seeing Savannah. Now I'm saying other kids' names. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I just realized there's got to be a better way. 
And I thought, what could I do that doesn't require a degree? (laughs) Where if I work hard, there's sky is the limit. And it seemed to take me to sales. And I just was like, well, being a realtor sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'd like to say that there was some like writing on the wall or some, but really God was directing me clearly, but I don't know how other than my thoughts. And so that's how I ended up deciding, okay, I'm going to become a realtor. And that's when I also met someone else. And yeah, so life continued. I became a realtor and then the, the rest is history. I've been a realtor for 20 years. This well, come within a few months, this next year, I'll be a realtor for 20 years now. And that makes me sound so old from the beginning of this story, <laughs> does <laughs> How do we go from an 18-year-old pregnant girl to, yes, and now let's fast forward to a successful agent and owning a business. So, But really, God led me through some miraculous things. He's never left my side. I can think of so many times that the Holy Spirit led me away from danger towards opening doors. I mean, there's just so many things, but the entrepreneur spirit for sure started when I became a realtor and you could see, Hey, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't, nobody in my family was in real estate. I know a lot of top agents, maybe a parent started in real estate or they had a friend in it. And that just wasn't the case for me. (laughs) Kind of started on my own. So when did you, you start in real estate, you get your license, you start doing that. When did you realize, wait a minute, this, this is working. And this is what I should be doing. I liked it from day one. I, there's yeah. challenges with, with anything and everything. Obviously, there was actually days in my career I wanted to shred my license. <laughs> that was few and far between. Most of it was... Because any job is challenging, even if you're in your passion. But I liked it from day one. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I remember I was so... I was 24 and I thought nobody's going to list their home with me. I look so young. And so I would wear like suits every day. And I got this like news anchor haircut and this bob. And it like I had to look so (laughs) a certain way every day. Nobody told me to. I just thought that's what I was supposed to do to give people confidence that I could list their home (laughs) and that I knew what I was doing. And, but you know, I just looked at what, what are other people in this field doing and how can I emulate that? I mean, I'm a big believer in if there's already a proven model, why would you not try it? I think you do have to balance that with finding a unique value proposition that you bring. But to all entrepreneurs, you've got to find that mix. I mean, why start from, why start with all the failures that you don't necessarily have to have because somebody tells you, hey, if you take this path, 95% of the time it ends in disaster. I want to know. Yeah, (laughs) right. So I went into coaching. I invested in myself. I worked Mm. hard. But frankly, I was willing to fail. I was willing to fail a lot. And every failure led to, oh, well, now I know what not to do. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of the obsession of how do I not fail, it was like, okay, I'm going to model after top people. But if I fail, at least I know the way not to do it and I can move forward. And it sounds so simple, but yet it's brilliant. I always say there's, there's brilliance in, this, in simple things. It's like there's brilliance in the basics. The people who do the basics over and over are usually the ones that exceed. And so I just had to figure out what are those basics in this industry and, and what do I need to do? And, and being willing to treat it like a job, that also sounds so simple. But I feel like so many people get into real estate and maybe even other businesses where they own their own business and they think, well, I can make my own schedule. I can do this. I can do that. Well, anybody that's listened to this podcast that has their own business knows they're probably working more hours than they ever worked. 
<laughs> before, <laughs> but it's for themselves. It's for whatever their big why is and they're in control. And <laughs> But there's there's definitely paths to take. And that's kind of how, what are other people doing that are succeeding and how can I do the same thing? I think there's something so valuable in that, Amber, because I think there's so many misconceptions when you first get into trying to build your own business or entrepreneurship about what that should look like. And I think oftentimes we think, well, in order to actually be successful, I need to come up with a brand new system, a completely brand new way of approaching things. It's so unique that even Elon Musk will go cry. And you don't. There's really only so many ways to, there's only so many things underneath the sun. And the best approach you can take is actually go take something that works. Like you said, go get a value prop that's going to uniquely leverage your own skill set or your own approach to the industry or whatever, and then go after that. You don't need to go spend four years vetting something with a college and getting research to make sure the idea is vetted. Stop over-educating and over-trying to complicate things, simplify it and just get to work. I love that. I think that's, you know, that's the secret to success in a lot of different ways. And what's funny is your customer, this is the same in real estate, but I think with any business, you can start with a model and plan, but really your customer, your consumer will dictate of course, with your permission, they'll tell you what they want. So you could over-investigate and overthink that model and system for years just to find out later the very expensive lesson of, oh, that wasn't it at all. It's supposed to be this. And God's done that. We've started with several products and the one that we ended up with is nothing like what we started with, (laughs) you know? So you just have to go and you just have to do and be a doer and God will direct the path. And and you're by knowing what customers are telling you. It's that's a powerful lesson. It totally is. Amber, I'm curious, you mentioned earlier that you had uh, your missionary kid, your parents were missionaries. And uh, you mentioned that you like to think of yourself as a a marketplace missionary. Did your upbringing kind of influence that phraseology or that perspective and and how do you approach things? Or has it been something that you've kind of redefined? I'm always curious how backgrounds kind of push people into kind of their own walks, their own ways of kind of walking out the relationship with the Lord. That's a great question. I don't know if I stopped to think about that, but I do know that I thought at one point when growing up that I would be a missionary because I just admired so much what my parents were doing. But my parents always taught me that everyone's a missionary. Every Christian is a missionary. There's even people that are not Christians that are missionaries. They're just preaching something different, but everyone's a missionary to whatever their cause is, right? So whether you're at home and it's in your backyard or whether it's on the mission field, because we were in a lot of foreign countries at a lot of points, that doesn't dictate if someone's a missionary or not. And so really that was my mindset growing up was, I want to be like this because I really think we're put on this earth to magnify Jesus, to to grow in our relationship with him and to tell others about him and hopefully enjoy all the above, enjoy life throughout some of that, some of those goals. But I thought the best way to do that was go to be a missionary. And and because my parents just set such a great example, but It wasn't until I got older and I started realizing, because I've been on many missions trips as an adult too. And I thought me going on the mission field is just me. If I was to go make more money, if I was to go help more people in real estate, I can send more money to the people that are out doing missions. In addition to being the backyard missionary that we call it, in addition to hoping to make an impact in as many lives as possible in my life, 
that's not enough. Like there's not enough time for that. That's kind of where my mindset went. It was like, there isn't enough time for that. We need a bigger impact than that. So how do we make a bigger impact? And I think it's by making more money. People have to fund these missionaries. People have to fund missions groups, churches, curriculums, homelessness. There are so many things that require income that require finances. And I, that's where my mind went, is what would happen? How big could the impact be if I was to help that part? If I was to help not only the big why or the, the calling that God has on our lives and our family, but what if we were to help others fulfill their calling? And that's when the light bulb went off of, I gotta help, I gotta transition from selling to starting my own education company because selling only takes me so far and mm. the impact won't be big enough. And that is when the libel went off. Is I have got to start, stop selling actively and start teaching other people to do what I'm doing so they can fulfill their big whys. When I help them fulfill their big whys, I'll have enough funds to help whatever we want to do. And then hopefully I've I've encouraged them to also give extravagantly within what they're doing. And then the impact is something that can't be measured. And that's when I just kind of like, as far as the actual title of Marketplace Missionary, my daughter, Savannah, who I had when I was 18, and I told you about earlier, just so proud of the woman of God that she has become. She went to Christ for the Nations in Dallas to Bible college. And they actually had a course called Marketplace Missionary. And I said, there it is, <laughs> the title. <laughs> like, now I'm not sure they came up with it. I don't know who came up with it, but I was like, that is a that is a title that goes with the mindset that I have. And that's just when I started calling it that. I don't know who came up with that though. <laughs> no, I love it. I think, like you said, I think missionaries are, are someone who, or is someone who's on a mission, right? And I can think of back, this is well over a decade. I used to work for a missions organization and I, they're still around and they're doing great things. And they fluctuated a lot in terms of their own revenue. You could call it revenue. They're a 501. But, and so what, ha what happened is I would see them basically expand their domain and then they would shrink for a while and then expand again and they'd shrink. And it's because they didn't have, they were based off of basically free donations. And there were other similar types of missions organizations out there that didn't have that problem because they had a different model. And I remember when I first started my own business, been again about that same time, and realizing, oh man, you can totally like flip the script on this thing. And by creating the right systems and the right models to things, you can actually create more good by being for profit. And it's not that one is necessarily better than the other, but you have a way of funding these causes mm. that otherwise you wouldn't be able to simply because you are, you're leaning into the, the God-given passions and gifts that God yeah. has given you. And there's an overflow from that. There's a natural overflow from that that just spills into to anything that you could want it to, to, to influence. I love that. And I think there's a mind shift that needs to happen with a lot of Christians. I'm not saying all Christians. I would never say that with some <laughs> that we're not supposed to be prosperous. The scripture says we're supposed to be prosperous. We can't be a blessing to others if we have not been blessed. And I'm talking monetarily. We can be a blessing to others immediately in other ways. But I feel like with some, some of the Christian base, 
they almost feel bad about making a lot of money. Does that make sense? Like, have you guys witnessed this? And it's like, you got to have that. God wants you to have that. How can you do the mission that he has called you to do without it? Yeah, no, totally. I think there's a, um, I've seen that many, many times. It's a poverty, it's a poverty mindset. And no one, it sounds like such a serious phrase, but I mean, really what it just comes down to is it's not bratty. It's not like I'm God's child and therefore I get to have a big house and lots of money. Yeah. It, it, that, that's not that, that is not it. What it is, is as the scripture says, you have a father who is said very clearly, Hey, if you ask for bread, I'm not going to give you rocks. Hey, if you ask for something, I'm not going to curse you. Jesus goes over this over and over and over again. And so often we think, well, in order to be Christ-like, what I need to do is actually be impoverished in order to be in a place of weakness in order to give. And that's kind of a manipulation of scripture. And you see the manipulation to extremes on both sides. Uh, we could talk about this for hours. Right, but, right. That could be um, in its own. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is really important, I think, as an entrepreneur to understand, hey, listen, as especially as a Christian, you're not working from a position of lack, mm. you're working from a position of anointing. Yes. And the anointing is going to affect, should affect your sphere of influence, the room you're in, the things that you put your hands to. And when you do that, good things are going to come. One of which, if it's a business, should be profit, I would hope. Yes. Yeah. And I think my parents did model that for me, for sure. Of Even though they didn't have a lot of money, their mindset and prayers was always claiming that we walk in the spirit of prosperity, that we walk in the spirit of joy and that we walk with the spirit of God's authority. And no one said you wouldn't go through tough times. Nobody said that. <laughs> you know? promised the opposite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, God. <laughs> so yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's such a good thing to know. I mean, it's funny because we're actually coaching. One of the things we try to do in our business model, and we don't advertise this until now, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not really trying to do that, but one of the things we try to do is help some some people who are nonprofit and not realtors on a on a case by case basis. Where and it's not in the same coaching program, but if there's something we can do to teach them to be better in their mission with our technology. So, for example, one of those is some pastors that'll remain unnamed. They're coming out with an online course, and it's like having the resources that you need to get that across the nation that God wanted you to have is important. That requires resources, that requires funding. And so everybody should walk in their gift and just know that whether it's a backyard missionary, whether it's a marketplace missionary, whether you really are a pastor missionary, that God wants you to be prosperous and to fulfill that mission. And so when did you know, when when you started Influential Agent, when was kind of the moment when you're like, this is how, like, this is happening. Like, I know that this is like, I can do this and that you know, this is going to be something because now it's just grown into so many different things. It's so cool. <laughs> and yet I'm still like, is this happening? Is this working? <laughs> 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 no, to be honest, I just know based on the favor that God's given us, I know based on the results of people that message us, because when it comes to the results of anything else measurable, doubt comes in all the time. I mean, I still doubt, I don't doubt the calling I'm in, but I still doubt, like, am I doing the right thing? Would God have me do this? Would it, I, mean, I just think it's not a, a final destination of, oh, I knew this was going to work. It's like, it's constantly, not to mention where things are working is where the devil's going to attack. 
Mm. And you know, if somebody's like, I don't know my purpose, I don't know what kind of business I should start. I don't know what kind of, I don't know what I'm good at. Well, look at the area that the devil's attacking and that's probably your mission. Wow. That's probably your purpose in life. I can't tell you that for sure, but he's not going to attack something that's not a threat to him. Mm, And so (laughs) that'll preach. Come on. (laughs) So I just think, you know, when you're being attacked and I I don't want to intimidate anybody, but we have been attacked. Oh my, I mean, the, the last two to three years. Now we started our own business five years ago and instantly I was like, I knew we were doing the right thing. I didn't know if the actual model and system was right, but I knew that starting it was right, if that makes sense. But it wasn't until the last two or three years when we started getting close to massive breakthrough that it was just one attack after another. And I mean, just stuff that had me on my knees. I mean, I I remember, uh, I don't know if you guys are old enough for this, but there was an, a Christian artist by the name of Carmen, like a long time. <laughs> Lazarus, <laughs> come forth. Okay, you guys know. That was my second <laughs> CD. <laughs> that well, he had base. that song. I don't remember what it was called, where he was like in the boxing ring with the devil. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. I'm gonna we should tag Carmen and when you guys do this and he'll that's probably... awesome. <laughs> We're friends on Facebook, but it's been a while. So I remember that song came to mind. And I don't even remember all of it, but I remember just being on the floor crying literally during one of these tough times. And that song, the Holy Spirit brought it to mind. And I remember getting a still being discouraged, but getting pissed. Like, just like, oh, (laughs) so that's what's happening here. Like, Mm. this is the, this is, an attack of the enemy. It always is, but I just needed that reminder because it was just so bad. I was like, so I, I said out loud with my mouth, oh, so Satan, you knocked me down. Okay, you did. You knocked me out. Like I was out cold on the ground, Satan, but I ain't out and we already know who won. So let's go. Like, <laughs> and I just started quoting scripture and praising the Lord. I'm a big believer in praise music when you're having a downtime because I don't know the answer. I don't know why things are happening. All I know is I know who, who wins. Yes. yes. <laughs> and all I know is I can stand in that. And, and to say, oh, when did you know this was it? The attack, the attacks that will still come mm. and, the, and the impacts and the messages that come. I got a message this week from somebody who left me a voice message and said, you're more than a coach. And they were crying. They said, you just made such an impact on my life and an X, Y, Z. And then I started crying, of course, you know, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's like, that is what we're here for. We're here to make an impact in so many different areas. And I just wake up in the morning going, God, use me. Mm-hmm. I trust your timing. I trust your ways. That's, that's those two things, adding those to say, I trust you, Lord, is one thing to say, but I trust your timing. I Mm. trust your ways. Our pastor was just talking about that. And it was like, that is so basic, but so brilliant in your prayer time to be like, God, I don't just trust you. I trust your timing and I trust your ways because he's used me in ways with women that I don't even know is happening at the time. You don't even know you're making an impact. And all of a sudden, two to three years later, you're like, 
You get a note from somebody saying, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for that day that you came up to me and said X, Y, Z, and you prayed wow. over me and you're like, wow. really? You <laughs> 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 have no idea. You have no idea. I love it. I love it. Speaking of timing, how I'm just curious because you're like a multipreneur, like you've got all these different things going. How do you, how do you learn to manage your time? I think that's a skill set that's always in development for anyone who owns a business, but how do you, I'm curious, how do you structure your day? What's a day in the life like for you? That is no joke. Like the balance life is such a, a lie. Oh, it's like, it's, <laughs> it is it's such a lie that we, we try, I tried to live up to that for so many years and it was a defeating thing. And I think if the second you realize that it's really just about counterbalancing and it's really about remembering, I'm just kind of regurgitating what I've read in good books, but it's about remembering <laughs> that when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something. And you have to keep that in mind at all times because it's really hard to know, is this the right thing to say yes to? Is this not the right thing? And, and for a realtor, it's like, okay, are you going to be able to lead generate for your business if you say yes to that? If the answer is no, then you don't do it, period. Because you won't have business tomorrow to even need that extra thing. If it's spiritually, if it's about your family, if I say yes to this, is it taking away time from my personal time with God? Is it taking away time for, that my kids haven't had all week? Is it taking away? And really, it's as simple as asking those kind of questions. But what's not simple is just the looking at it constantly. It's the constant counterbalance, knowing that in life, Jason and I say with our marriage, it's like, okay, a counselor once told me something really wise, which was, it is normal in life that if you own your own business, or even if you don't, and you have a demanding job, it's normal in life that there will be spurts where or times where you have to spend extra time on work because maybe at your you own your own business and you're launching something new. Well, you, yes. you just know that you're going to be out of balance yeah. in that moment, that yeah. you're going to be probably working late nights. You're going to be hustling. And I hate that word, but it's true. And yeah. you're going to be having that from time to time and you mm. can't get mad at your spouse or yourself for having those every once in a while it's when you live in that that it's not yes. okay it's when you mm -hmm. you say well sorry i own my own business it's like okay well <laughs> you, it won't matter if you're profitable because you're gonna get your husband leaves you your kids never see you it's like well that's no <laughs> yeah. good so those have to be spurts those have to sure. be it constantly put into check and counterbalancing and i find for me time blocking is the only way to live on your calendar. Because if it's not on your calendar, it doesn't exist. But even with time blocking, I've been doing it for probably 10 years. And I still have to adjust it constantly. I mean, it's just a counterbalance. It's, it's a matter of making the uh, coach also told me once, if I was to look at your calendar, Amber, you say your priorities are God, mm -hmm. family, business. But if I was to look at your calendar, would it say that? I was like, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's eye-opening. <laughs> yeah. I had a mentor years ago. And he was actually really freeing for me. And he goes, you know, Pierce, uh, so he owned a private practice, extremely successful. He was like a surgeon. And he goes, you know, Pierce, he's like, you're going to be told in life that he's like, your priorities need to be God, then church, then family, then yourself. And he said, what you're going to find out is that your priority needs to be whatever your priority needs to be in that moment. He's like, that's not an, that's not an excuse for an abuse or for escapism which is true. And you have to be accountable to that. He's like, but if I just decide that, you know what, I want to go spend 
two hours with somebody with my family or something like that in the middle of the afternoon, and I don't take care of a patient, then I lose money that provides for my family. And he's like, the same thing with church and everything else. You need to be involved in your community, but you need to understand how those things counterbalance themselves. And so it takes a much more nuanced and much more, you can't use it as an excuse, but the reality is that all these things kind of influence each other in good ways. Mm-hmm. You, uh, and as you get to kind of know the character of God, that he's good and that his goodness permeates everything and that it influences things and it shapes things. He's the potter or the clay, right? You begin to see that perspective in your own life when it comes to time is that if you allow the Holy Spirit to shape you, he's going to shape your time to a good thing. And it's going to prioritize things in a way that ultimately bring out the most good. And so there's higher values basically that we can pursue than just necessarily a strict model. You have to be careful with it, but so long as you're accountable to it, it's true. And I think it's good because... Oftentimes, there's a lot of condemnation, I think, that's easy for someone who's starting out their own business or, or working for themselves to think, well, I need eight hours of work, eight hours of family, eight hours of sleep. Mm. And that, 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 that's it's just, just not the reality. It's just not reality. And, it doesn't, and there's nothing wrong with that either. So long it's as not even what's going. required to have healthy relationships either. It's true. Yeah, it's very true. I, ha- I heard, uh, I was trying to pull something up because I basically got this brilliant advice about how to say no to people because that's a hard thing for entrepreneurs to do because especially kingdom entrepreneurs, I feel like you're, you're talking about people who are just giving, giving with their time. But, it, but if there's not a line, then you are saying no to things that maybe you're called to and not having enough time for those. But mm. uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but I, I hope I can find it. But I also heard from, oh, here it is. Michael Hyatt was the one that gave, I love Michael Hyatt. And he said to really just say, let's say somebody invites you to to do something that you know, you just don't have the time to do. It's not, you you just can't do it. But he's like, just copy and paste this into whatever. And I don't want to sound cold about it, but it was just, it relieves the business owner to know I care about people. I really do. I just can't do this. He said, thanks so much for the invite. This is the line that really got me. In order to honor my existing commitments, I'm afraid I have to say no, but I'm honored you thought of me. That is so good. That's good. <laughs> I'm afraid yeah. in order to honor my existing commitments, because how can you not respect somebody that is trying to honor the commitments they've already made? Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, wow, that's good. <laughs> no, that's super good. If you just go look at the life of Jesus. I mean, that guy was borderline cold. When you look at how his time management, man, he would just say no to so much stuff. <laughs> so true. And he would and then randomly go to other things that no one thought he would. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So uh, there's a lesson for all of us in that, I think. But I think to answer your question, big picture, the more disciplined you get with your time, the more freedom you actually have. Yes. And, and you've got to counterbalance. That's that's it. That's absolutely true. I love that. And I'd love for you to share, because I feel like even in your business too, since I've known you on your journey, figuring out your niche was has has also been something as well. Because didn't y'all start off much broader than you are now? And and I feel like as I've known you, you you've gotten very you're doing a lot, but you're getting more specific with it. With the current with coaching part, you mean? Yeah, with the coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Coaching, coaching and, yeah. And the same for when we were selling is like when they say that saying "broad is broke, niche is rich." It's so true. It's like, and it's not just to be rich, but how can you stand out in a sea of everyone? 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's true of there might, I think we did the math last year when the census came out, you know, every February or whenever it comes out, the new Census Bureau stuff. One out of 183 adults in the United States has a real estate license. One out, <laughs> out of 183? Yeah. Now that could have changed because that was like a year <laughs> or two old, that census information. Now I counted everybody over the age of 18. So right. I took out anybody that was under 18. And that does not count lawyers or people who are not a member of the National Association of Realtors. So <laughs> that's just NAR. <laughs> so to me, it's like, it, it's okay that maybe your business that a lot of people do it, but what's the niche that makes you different than everyone else? And I think in our coaching, what has niched down is we're, we love technology. How can we use technology to make things better? But more than that, we were coaching people on Facebook ads and we were coaching people on um, luxury. We, we were teaching for the real estate association. I mean, we, we really have knowledge after 20 years on almost every subject in real estate. And I was kind of doing that because I was so honored that people would ask me to come speak. And, <laughs> and it wasn't until we have two special needs kids. So I have four kids now. I'm married to Jason. And one of our kids is dyslexic and ADHD, uh, one of our adopted kids. And then one of our other kids is ADHD and has autism. And the, they just weren't getting what they needed from public school. And this isn't about public school versus whatever, just happened to be the one that they were at. And we decided we were going to invest, to put them in a Christian school. And in order to do that, the model there was called the college model where Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they go to the campus and Tuesday, Thursday, they homeschool. Well, I was like, Lord, this can't be the right school. I don't have time to homeschool two days a week, nor the patients. Jason's like, I can do it. You know, he's got all, he's got so much patience and he's just like a brilliant man. He's got so much knowledge in his head, but he also had a full, full schedule. So I was like, what the heck? I said, this can't be God, but I knew it was, you know? (laughs) So we put him there and they're just flourishing. We still have challenges, but of course, but we made a decision It was like almost a gift when the pandemic happened because a year before the pandemic happened, we were already adjusted to homeschooling. Mm. We were already adjusted in our business model to be 100% online. It was like God did us a favor, not only for them, but for us. And I was like, wow. But I made a decision at that point. Okay, I've been teaching about all these other things. And this is the case in any business. I'm talking about real estate, but I had, okay, here's how to do Facebook ads and here's how to do this and here's how to do this. When in reality, all those are called pipelines of leads, regardless of the type of business you're in, okay? And once you convert them, if you convert them, they lead down to the people you've met. Some people call that their database. I call it your sphere of influence. And if you don't take really good care of that sphere of influence, you will never grow the life you wanna have as a realtor. Because what happens is, is you're constantly going after a new lead And frankly, that's exhausting. It's like being on a hamster wheel. Whereas why aren't you investing in the people that have already used you, already trust you, and even growing that list? And I'm not saying other pipelines of leads are bad because I think the way you grow your sphere is by having those other leads. But I would hear agents would call into our office. We need a coach. We need to do Facebook ads. We need more leads. And I'm like, how come you need more leads? You had 28 closings this month. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But these same people would cry. In an appointment, say, I haven't had a vacation in, in years. I haven't seen my kids in years. And they're just trying to go after that next deal when really 
if you just take care of that one group really well using the latest in technology, and of course you can grow that group, the, the quality of life you can have, the consistency you can have, and I believe that for any business, is so tangible, is so good that I was like, we're niching down to that because everything leads to that. So I hate coaching people up here when the basics aren't taken care of. It's like pouring water, getting those new leads without the foundation being laid is like pouring water into a pitcher with holes in it. It's, it's, it's just so defeating. So I said, that's it. That's it. We're niching down. Now we're still going to be the technology people. We're still tech nerds. We love everything technology. We're always going to be on top of that because I feel like you have to be in order to scale your business in any niche. You have to be tech savvy, but we, it, the timing, I guess, between the two stories lined up If we need to niche down. I believe everybody should. But the timing of it, we had, not only did I want to niche down, but we were forced to niche down. I can't mm. speak all over the country when I have two kids at home. I need to only say yes to the opportunities that are niche, niche, however you want to say it. <laughs> Both are correct, technically. And so I think that's where God leads to pass is like, okay, yes, this is the right thing. And then, yes, I'm going to force you to go ahead and act on that, Amber, because these other circumstances and that's, and then when the pandemic happened, of course, our business felt it like a lot of businesses because people start cutting expenses and what have you. But it was just so, it was a breath of fresh air that everyone else was freaking out. Like we have to change our entire business model. I'm like, praise the Lord. We already have this business model. (laughs) (laughs) So niche, niche down. So many good. Yes. I hope all of you that are out there listening that are not in real estate, please, please go back and listen. Don't tune out just because you're not a real estate agent. I feel like that's such good advice for anybody is, is getting down. For one, it's a client that you already have. Like It's so much cheaper to, to keep them on and to build those relationships. And I can say for my own life too, my wife and I went through a similar thing to where God just set us up to where all of this craziness happened. And we were like, oh... This was our day to day already. Like, and I love seeing him being able to turn all things to good mm. when something hits your life like that, to where you're like, this is upending the our day to day going to, to homeschooling a couple of times a week and to see how he turned that to good for you and for the people that you're now getting to serve and empower and simplify their life with it too. <laughs> that's that's awesome. And what I didn't know is he was probably up there laughing, going, oh, sweet child, you think it's two days a week. It's going to be five next year, but you're fine. <laughs> All things to good. All things. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. But I remember, I know the biggest thing is you think if you niche down any entrepreneur, the fear sets in of missing out. Yeah. That, it's, it's, I had the that, same thing. Yeah. That poverty mindset that I, yes. we were kind of talking about strong. before. It, I had it bad, y'all. I had it bad. And it wasn't until, I think I've told the story before, but quickly, it wasn't until I noticed this, this one lady who worked for me had like the best naturally curly hair. And it was just like the, the tightest, cutest curls, the best hair. And she was like, well, I've got to go to a curly hair specialist. I'm like, you mean there's hairdressers that do only curly hair? She's like, oh yeah, yeah, they do. And I got an appointment and I'm so excited because they're known for curly haircuts. And I started thinking to myself, If I opened a salon, this happened to be in Frisco, Texas. If I opened a salon in Frisco, Texas, and my partner said, we're only going to cut curly hair, I would have wigged out like that, that poverty mindset, whatever you want to call it, that limiting mindset would be, oh no, what about all the people that don't have curly hair that would have, (laughs) would have come in here? What about all them? And I probably would have freaked out. 
She came back from her appointment. And this is months later because they, of course, have a waiting list. And she says, I said, well, it looks gorgeous. What'd you think? She's like, well, it was the most expensive trip I've ever taken to the hair salon. And I said, well, it looks great. I said, are you going to go back? She's like, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And then that secondary aha happened of they niched down to where instead of being a hair salon every block in Frisco, they're the only ones touting in Frisco, Texas, that they are the curly hair expert. So they Mm. have a wait list. They're charging more than anyone else. And I'm like, this is where it's at. That, that mindset that even I would have had, like, we can't exclude everybody without curly hair. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you well, can. I love that too. As we were, I was just thinking as you were talking back to our, uh, the, the time management. And I feel like the more niche you get, the more easier it comes to create systems for doing that. Because I'm sure for curly hair, there are certain things that they do for every person who has curly hair and they have yes. a system for that. They repeat it. Products are different. Yeah, they can just yeah. niche down and get really good at that one thing. Because shifting, I, I feel like I've had so many conversations lately with a business partner of mine and, and my wife who's starting her own business. And, and it's all been about that shifting gears, trying to do too many things. Every time you shift that gear, it takes so much more time than we think. So, mm, so true. And isn't it such a relief to know? You even as an agent, you don't have to be good at everything. Oh, yes. <laughs> you don't have to be an REO specialist, a commercial specialist. If anything, you're going to be the best you can be by specializing in one thing. And you're actually going to have a higher value and a bigger demand by far. Yes. Amen. Well, I, I feel like there are so many more areas we could go down. I, I want to honor your time because we're about with our, our final five minutes here. So... <laughs> With our final five minutes, we've got our final five questions. So we'll go through those and uh, here we go. Let's do it. Question number one, what are the top three must-read books, not including the Bible for you? And these can be business, (laughs) family, spiritual, cookbook. Okay. Well, it's not a cookbook, so you know where my talent's at. (laughs) (laughs) So... I, I honestly, it was too hard to choose. So I just made myself do it. Fierce Conversations <laughs> by Susan Craig Scott. It's all about achieving success at work and in life, one conversation at a time. I think everything's mm. about communication. So I, that book just changed my life. Profit First. I don't know how to pronounce his last name by Michael Michalowicz uh, or something like that. Uh, Love but the it's, book. Still haven't gotten his name either. Yeah. <laughs> but it's about really a model to do your accounting in and your business in to where you know you're going to be profitable. You know you're not going to owe taxes at the end of the year. This is so important. And the whole thing like blew my mind because it's just a different way to look at things. And then the last one is The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papazon. Mm. I'm extremely ADD. I want results quick. That's not really life. So how do I surprisingly... It's, it's called The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results. And I feel like focusing on the one thing that's going to drive your business forwards, focusing on the one thing that's going to drive your life with Christ forward. What's the one thing that's going to make your marriage stronger and really focusing Mm -hmm. on that versus trying to be good at everything is what gets you the long-term results. That's my three picks. That's awesome. Those are good. I I love the last two. I haven't heard of the first one. So I'm excited to to look that one up. She has a second one called Fierce Leadership. Also very good. Fierce Leadership. She snuck a fourth one in there. Bonus book, y'all. All All right. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's all good. We love it. Question number two. You can send a note card back to yourself when you are first starting off on your entrepreneurial journey. What are the three pieces of advice you're putting on that card? 
Okay. This is from personal failure. So I would say spend time on vision and written goals and, and dream big because I spent too many years being reactive instead of proactive because it's so easy as a business owner, especially a small business owner, to get caught up in the day-to-day just fires you're putting out and the things that have to be done because you can't hire help yet. And what happens is you turn around and three years is gone and mm. you maintained, you hustled, you're tired and you maintain the business but it didn't necessarily grow. So I think you have to take time, even if you feel like you don't have it, to, to set vision that way every decision you make is focused on where you're going and what's the action plan to get there. That's, uh, awesome. that's number one. Number two is that, this is something I battle daily, is perfection kills productivity. I am a perfectionist when it comes to quality. I feel like people pay for a product. I want it to be the best. I want it to constantly be improving. And it it should be high quality. I'm not saying let your quality go down, but you aren't going to go to the next level unless you are leveraging other people. And I made the mistake of saying, well, nobody can do it like I can. Realtors say this all the time. Well, I don't want to hire it because they can't do it like I do. Really? They can get you 80% of the way there. And that just saved you 80% and you do maybe the last 20%. Or sometimes if you're a perfectionist, that somebody else doing the 80% is still above and beyond what anybody else would have done even without the last 20% because our standards are so high. And in order to move forward, you got to get rid of that perfectionism. It's just, you just have to. And then the last one would be not to compare myself with others. I feel like it's really easy to be in a comparison generation. Um, Who was it? Theodore Roosevelt that said, comparison is the thief of joy. You could make massive progress, but then you get on Instagram and you're like, well, I'm nowhere near (laughs) where that person is. Or, and it's like, okay, the only person that you should compare yourself to is you. Are you better today than when you were yesterday? And the only one that can keep you from achieving your goals is yourself. And so I have to remind myself all the time too that it's not about where I am with others. It's about where I am compared to what I am before. Because otherwise you'll just go insane. There's also that one saying, losers focus on the winners and winners focus on winning. So just... Mm. And heard that one before. That's good. Those are good three. Thanks. I have so many, but we'll stop there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a small postcard. So, All right. Question number three. How do you define success for yourself? And those were deep, (laughs) y'all. Oh, man. I have to define success as doing what God asked me to. Because if I'm not living in what he has called me to or taking the individual steps that he's asked me to take, really, what's the point of the rest? I mean, if you really want to look at it that simply, yeah. and I fail at that on some days, and I hope that there's more days that I succeed at that than on the days that I <laughs> fail. But if we truly are on this earth to praise him, to glorify him and to bring others to him, how can you measure success by how many programs I sold today? Now, I realize I need to sell programs and that is one of my goals because I need to be a marketplace missionary. But when you get to heaven... He doesn't care if I have 500 members or 5,000 members. He cares if I did what he asked me to do. Right. How do I know is just in the fruit. You know by the fruit that's being produced if you're, if you're doing what he said. And if you're doing right. what he said, everything else works out. It really. I mean, I hate to put it that simply, but that's how I feel. 
<laughs> hey, keep it simple like the gospel. That's it. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. That's <laughs> so. awesome. So I know you went into some of this before, but uh, question number four is when times have gotten tough, what's kept you from quitting? Knowing that God called me to be here to do this and that I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but that calling. And it blows my mind to think about how God lives outside of time. If you really think about that, we're living in a timed day. God lives outside of time. And when you really stop to think about that, he already knows the beginning, the middle, and the end. And if you rest in that and knowing that, that's what's going to get you through the tough times because he wouldn't have called you to what you're doing if he didn't already equip you to do it. And also knowing that the higher he takes you, the more opposition you're going to face, like we said earlier. So if you're not feeling those tough times, then maybe you're not where you're supposed to be. Mm. And just reminding yourself, maybe this is hard because it matters. Maybe Mm. this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. You know it is. Now, the lesson that I learn over and over, like it's Groundhog Day, that movie, (laughs) is that if I'm feeling stressed, if I'm feeling like the times are really tough, and you guys, I'm human. Like I could have some really killer days and that same week I could have two really bad days, meaning um, emotionally. Um, And that's not every week, but I'm human. It's like everybody else, no matter how much success is achieved, you start to doubt or, or whatever. And of course that doesn't come from God, but the lesson that I learn over and over is if I'm feeling that stress, then what I did inevitably, if I'm feeling that stress is I took control back from God. Because when the stress comes, it's because I'm trying to control the outcome. It's because I'm trying to control how others are perceiving me. It's because I'm trying to control others around me. And none of that is possible. You can't be in control and God be in control. And so it, it might be on an hour to hour basis where I'm like, oh, whoa, <laughs> I, I just told God this morning in my prayer time that I trust you. I trust your timing. I trust your ways. And then like two hours later, I'm like, yeah, but God, I could do it this way. And then <laughs> it's like, you just know that that's a trigger for me. That's a trigger. That's a pattern interrupt to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I must have taken control back there. Let me give it right back where it belongs. Let me lay all mm. that right back at the feet of Jesus because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't have to know all the answers. Thank goodness. I don't have to be in control. A good cry, a good, a good praise moment, trading that expectation for appreciation. That's kind of how I get through the tough times. That's awesome. I feel like I, I need to go have t-shirts made with, uh, <laughs> how did you say it? it? Maybe it's tough because it's important or... Yeah, maybe you, it's hard because it matters. Maybe it's hard because it matters. There we go. Yeah, that's so yeah. good. Man. Well, question number five, what question should we have asked that we didn't? The answer is, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think you guys are awesome. I I don't really know what else you should ask. I mean, if, if anyone, I feel like you guys have asked some really great questions. I appreciate your podcast. I appreciate you guys allowing me to be vulnerable with my answers. I appreciate you guys letting other people lift up other entrepreneurs who are kingdom minded, but I don't really have an agenda. So I don't know what you should be asking me. <laughs> well, well, at least ask then for all of the people who want to learn more about what y'all are doing, especially for the realtors out there. And this is full disclosure, shameless plug. I have utilized their system before <laughs> as an agent. It 100% works. How do they find out about you guys? How, how do they 
they learn more? You can go to influentialagent.com, but really whatever your preferred social media channel is, we're probably there. <laughs> you know, we're everywhere. We have really invested a lot of time recently into our YouTube channel. So if you want some free education to get started, to kind of get introduced to a little bit of what we do and go check that out. We're trying to put out a lot of good free content. That's a great place to start to kind of introduce you into what we do. You can contact me on any of those social medias. But yeah, we're here to help and we're here to help make people make a difference. So now when you go to the social media channels, if you go to Influential Agent, you're going to get our support team. If you really wanted to talk to me based on something that you've heard in the podcast or something that you can relate to, or maybe you had you needed some more information about something, those channels would be under Mrs. Amber Joy, M-R-S-A-M-B-E-R-J-O-Y. <laughs> and then you know that I'll be getting those messages and I'll be able to... <laughs> Because if you say something about now, when you were 18 and experienced that, my support team is going to go, what the heck? <laughs> so maybe you hit me up. Those are still professional channels, but it's getting me instead of the support team. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amber. It was an honor to have you on. And uh, we can't wait to look forward and see what more you and Jason are up to. Okay. Thanks, guys. I appreciate what you do. And thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend. It would help us out tremendously. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of Pierce's new book, Calling, How to Partner with God in Any Business with Any Boss at Any Place in Life, then click on the link in the show notes to sign up for our weekly email. Or visit piercebrantley.co slash podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.